Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 45th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. I got the day off tomorrow. I'm going to do some hiking in Arkansas, and uh, we got some good news on the Mizzou front to talk about. Lots of good stuff to talk about today, so I'm just in a wonderful mood. How about you? I'm doing very well as well. Um, that's interesting that you mentioned hiking because I just got back from Colorado where I did some hiking, got to spend time with some friends, and hiked Mount Hermon. If any of our Colorado Springs <clears throat> area listeners um, are familiar with that mountain, I am not from there, but I have also climbed that mountain. It wasn't too difficult, uh, especially for someone from Missouri whose lungs were not acclimated to the altitude very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I, uh, hiking's pretty fun. Um, as long as it's not too intense, <laughs> <laughs> it can get it can get intense easily in Colorado with how how thin the air is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've got some yeah pretty exciting news for June for like the beginning of June. Um, yeah. It feels like it's been a while since we talked last because of all the information that's been flowing. Um, but first, I do want to make sure everybody knows to go listen to last week's episode because. <clears throat> We switched it up a little bit and kind of did some more fun activities. Uh, We did an internet quiz that was supposed to tell us who we're supposed to be rooting for uh, when it comes to college football, and uh, the result may surprise you. So go check that out if you haven't. It probably won't surprise you if you read the title of the episode, but that's a little spoiler alert there. (laughs) Uh, But go check that out, and... Um, let's jump into the news. And first news item is the fact that the Blues won Lord Stanley's Cup last night. And I think that's the first time we've ever mentioned the Blues on this podcast, but they are a St. Louis team, a Missouri team. So I definitely wanted to mention that. Um, being somebody that does not have cable TV or anything like that, I was struggling to get my antenna to pick up NBC last night. So I just barely caught the end, which for me was all that really mattered. I got to see the celebration. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a huge hockey fan or anything, but I, I've definitely watched the Blues uh, in the playoffs the last few years. And obviously they, they always tend to uh, underperform a little bit or, or whatever the case is. They never uh, seem to break through, but obviously this year they did. So that was really awesome to see. And the, the finals were great. I mean, every uh, just obviously it went to game seven. So it just seemed like it was back and forth. And, um, you know, the, the Bruins seemed like they had a really uh, aggressive style of play where and I'm just totally spitballing here based on what I'm just observing as a non-hockey person. But definitely seemed like the Blues were maybe a little uh, more passive and maybe a better defensive team. But so it's kind of an interesting clash of styles, maybe. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun to watch. And it was really great to see. Obviously, we have a, a lot of uh Twitter followers and and everybody on on Twitter who are uh, who are Blues fans, so it was cool to see you guys uh, so happy about that as well. So, yeah, it was it. You mentioned kind of like them disappointing in the playoffs in years past, and I think it's kind of interesting that when those expectations have been there, like when everybody knows that St. Louis has a good team, that's when it seems like they don't deliver in the playoffs. And then this year, they literally were like last in the standings at mm-hmm. one point, and then to win the whole thing basically with no expectations yeah um sometimes that's all it takes to 
you know, play a little bit looser when nobody's expecting anything out of you. Yeah, that's honestly insane. Um, I think that'll do it for our hockey minute um, <laughs> because, we, like we said, we actually do have some uh, interesting news to get to. Um, we talked last week about Cam Fletcher releasing a top five schools list. We thought that was kind of strange, and turns out we had reason to uh, we had every reason to think that because uh, top five did not happen. <laughs> so if you're waiting for that still, I don't think it's going to come anytime soon. Um, Tipton Edits uh, is who apparently all the kids use these days to make their uh, announcements and lists and everything if they want those cool graphics. Um, but that person, whoever they are, said that the list was not coming, and so that's It's interesting that it came from whoever that person is rather than Cam, but... Yeah. I remember looking at his Twitter uh, maybe like the day or so after he was supposed to announce and I didn't see anything about it at all. Not even an acknowledgement that he didn't come out with it. Right. Uh, so. He did retweet the Tipton Edits person okay. saying that there was going to be a list. Okay. When when it was announced top five, I saw it as a retweet of Tipton Edits from Cam Fletcher. So, hmm. But then, yeah. yeah, silence after that. I was just wanted to see it because I was pretty sure I had the top five completely perfect. <laughs> you probably in my did. prediction. But. You probably did. Um, another uh, 2020 recruit making the news is Ryan Kalkbrenner. He kind of had a s- kind of secret visit to Mizzou. There wasn't very much publicized about it, but uh, he visited. And then also around the same time, the new uh, rivals rankings came out for 2020 guys. And he, basically shot up the rankings all the way up to number 68 in the class of 2020. So his stock is very much on the rise. Yeah, his stock is as hot as just about anybody else out there right now. He's so hot right now. And he is very, very much so. And I was telling you about this a little bit before the the episode, and I was honestly a little bit afraid to actually say this uh, publicly. Oh my, this is going to be juicy. It's going to be juicy. But uh, I would put Ryan Kalkbrenner on my personal wish list uh, as high as potentially Cam Fletcher, um, just because I, I really like his game and seems like a super smart guy. And obviously, uh, he's, <laughs> I can't say that. I was going to say, I was going to say something about the, him being white. <laughs> we just always assume white guys have high IQ. Yeah. I can't say that. Okay. I'm going to start back over. <laughs> I don't even remember how I started that segment. Uh, that he was like on your on your personal wish list like yeah. up there with cam fletcher mm-hmm. yeah ryan kalkbrenner his uh his stock is about as hot as anybody out there right now and a little bit of a hot take from from me personally um, I would have him on my personal wish list as high as Cam Fletcher potentially, um, just because I really love his game. Super high, high IQ, uh, rim protector. Um, seems like he's got a lot of a room to improve and just I don't know. Cam, Cam Fletcher, I really I really like his game. Um, if we're talking about high, you know their ceiling, Cam Fletcher probably has a higher ceiling. Um, but I, I don't know about instant impact though. I mean, maybe neither one of those guys are, are instant impact guys. I don't know, but, um, so just to clarify, as far as your wish list, are you saying those two are like at the top or like one tier below some other guys? Well, as my, my realistic wish list, those guys are, are very high up there as far as like 
the top of the list as far as right guys you realistically think Missouri could obviously win. like Josh Christopher and Caleb Love are probably like the best two guys that Missouri is after right now but I don't know that they have a shot with either one of them sure at the moment so if you're playing the realism game yes that's then, how then Cam Fletcher okay. and Kalkbrenner are, are very high up there and um I think Kalkbrenner and Davian Bradford get kind of paired up a lot and because they're both 2020 big men We've talked about both of them on this podcast. From and Missouri. F- yes. They're both and, from Missouri. Right. Yeah. That's right. Local guys. And um, I don't really know what the situation is going to be because Missouri could be in the position to land all three of those guys. Um, and I, I don't know how that's going to gonna work out because they're all you know similar positions, kind of big man. Obviously, Cam Fletcher is probably a little more versatile than the other two. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because I really think Missouri's got a shot to land any of the three of them. Yeah, I would love to see Fletcher used as like the stretch four that Conzo has been looking for since he's been at Missouri. Um, if he can show that he can knock down three pointers like at a level higher than Kevin Purrier ever did, and still bring that like shot blocking athleticism finishing ability that is like a uh, jante porter <laughs> yeah like a <laughs> like a more athletic jante porter yeah um, that'd be nice that would be incredible so i i don't think i wouldn't expect him to shoot like jante did you know right off the bat but if he can work his way into that kind of skill set but you mentioned like instant impact and i think i definitely agree with you where um, Caleb Love and Josh Christopher are definitely more instant impact guys. I think if you're setting expectations for Cam Fletcher as a guy that's kind of, uh, if, if he's a one and done, it's not because he produced at an elite level his freshman year in college. If he's a one and done, it's because of his measurables and potential. And we do see that every year we see a couple guys that didn't produce at the college level um, statistically, but they do go in the first round of the NBA draft because purely because of their intangibles, their height, length, and just what they could turn into with a few years of development at the NBA level. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's happening right now, uh, even with Cam Fletcher at the college level. I mean, he's a top yeah. 30 guy and he doesn't put up crazy stats every, right. every night. At, on He'll the have the potential level. to uh, this his senior year when he's the main guy with uh, McKinney being gone. But yeah, I mean, I, for Missouri, I would love obviously for them to get him, but I would love for him to be like a two or three year guy that develops into like a top 10 draft pick because Mm -hmm. of his measurables and how he produces as a junior in college, something like that. Um, That's probably a completely unrealistic uh, hope on my part, but um, I'll hang on to it for a little while longer. You never know. Uh, but to bring it back to Kalkbrenner, yeah, I think uh, the, I'll just go ahead and mention the next piece of news. The um, Juco big man, Axel Okongo, that Missouri landed. Uh, the one of the classic, complete surprise commitments that Conzo Martin likes to drop on us every year. Um, Seven-footer, 240-pound, uh, like I said, Juco big man from Northwest College in Wyoming. Um, originally from France, put up zero numbers uh, in JUCO statistically, but uh, was kind of discovered by 
a guy um, and an organization who that's what they do is they go out and try to find um, kind of diamonds in the rough and help them get noticed by bigger programs. And uh, he was kind of put on the radar of uh, Michael Porter Sr. And then that got to Conzo and then they picked him up. So I bring him up because he still has two years of eligibility. So um, I, I don't know. I, it seems like kind of an interesting time. We, I mean, for so long we were thinking, what is Missouri going to do at like the five spot? Because Tillman might go pro and we know he's going to graduate and we still doesn't, doesn't seem like we have a plan for life after Tillman. And then out of nowhere we get this Juco big man and now we're in on three other big men in the 2020 class. And now I'm starting to wonder, you know, is there is there too much going on with right is Kalkbrenner a guy when you see him creep into the top 75 of his class is he a guy that you're going to want to give minutes to early and maybe Okongo will always be a backup you know for his two seasons even if Tillman goes pro after this year I don't know yeah I think it's safe to say at this point Okongo is going to be a, a a backup player um probably at best um, in both of his years at Missouri. And a lot of people have brought up the redshirt possibility. Um, I don't think he has a- any extra years of eligibility for a redshirt. Correct. So that is that is not in the question. And if it was, I mean, maybe that's something they consider because clearly he's someone who could use another year of development because um, I just don't think he's played basketball all that long. Correct. So, yeah, he could certainly use a year of development, but that's I don't think he's eligible for that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, where they use him. And, and obviously, Conzo uh, Martin very famously said in a press conference a few weeks ago that he wants to play nine guys. And I just don't see any way Okongo is, is rotating him, himself into uh, the top nine if there's no injuries when there's like 12 or 13 scholarship players right now. Yeah, and I think it is always worth keeping in mind when when Conzo says he wants to play nine guys, that is not taking into account foul trouble. <laughs> so I could see definitely see him. Maybe Okongo could prove himself worthy of some of those minutes when <clears throat> Jeremiah Tillman inevitably ends up in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see there being too great a drop-off between from Reed Nico to Okongo. Um, obviously, he needs a lot of time in the system, mm-hmm. and that's not something that he'll get right now because there's just not a whole lot of time left yeah and it's Uh, possible they could play more guys at the beginning of the year just to play with rotations and stuff like that but when they really you know hit mid-season or whatever it is I don't really think we'll be seeing a whole lot of them unless like you said there's just a lot of foul trouble going on and I think I did read that uh one of Akongo's weaknesses in his game is also foul trouble. Exactly. So yeah, I read like, that oh, same great. thing, and I was just like, uh, we're gonna have okay. eight fouls a game between him and Tillman. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think though, if they can just, I mean, his skill set right now is blocking shots and finishing at the rim. Mm. And when you're talking about a guy that's gonna need some time to develop, having those two things those two things directly translate to pretty much any level of basketball. Yeah. Like if you have the physical ability to get up and block shots, I mean, it translates. And if you can just go up and finish strong, um, you're going to draw fouls at least at the, at the college level. So 
I don't know. It's another, it's one of these pickups that you're just kind of, you're just going to have to wait and see because it came out of nowhere. There's so little information on this guy. Um, I do, I would recommend anybody to, uh, go to rock M nation because, um, Matt Harris did an interview with the person that I was describing earlier that kind of found this guy and let, um, the Missouri staff know about him. So he had some interesting insights. I haven't quite read the whole thing yet, but, um, it was, it was interesting to read sort of the mindset of a person who that's their job is to go around and find guys like that and let them know, let bigger schools know about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't get too, you know, worried about maybe his lack of production or whatever at the Juco level. Um, we just don't really know what his situation was there, but I mean, we just got to trust Conzo at this point. Obviously not every recruit Conzo has gotten has worked out, you know, maybe he, uh, doesn't have much of a role when he comes to Mizzou. Maybe he does. I don't know. Um, it may it may be a good thing if he doesn't have a huge role because that maybe means uh, Tillman and, and Reed Nico are, are, are playing well. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use him if they use him much at all. So speaking of um, basketball commitments and recruiting and everything, um, is Missouri one of the six schools you think that uh, is going to get hit by the NCAA or not the NCAA the FBI next? Let me, let me pull up that story. Uh, no, they're not going to be. Um, and if we are, uh, so help me God, <laughs> I don't know how I can continue. Um, it's just, I mean, it's not the FBI. I should clarify the, uh, the NCAA is apparently about to notify at least six college basketball programs that they will be hit with, uh, level one violations Mm -hmm. which which is that's the most serious yes and i also think in that report they said that two of those schools or two of the schools will be revealed in the coming weeks so pretty soon we'll know i think two of the schools that will be hit pretty hard and uh honestly uh i i think kansas has a very strong possibility of being one of those two schools um because I mean, they were specifically named in that report, you know, dealing with uh, Townsend, one of their uh, assistant coaches being involved in some of those activities that we've been talking about for a while now. So I, I think, do you think there's going to be many surprises here or is it going to be kind of the same schools that we've been hearing about? I mean, we know Kansas has been in hot water. We know Arizona, we right. know um, Louisville, LSU, obviously Auburn. Do you think it's just going to be some of those same, like, same schools that we kind of are expecting, um, Oklahoma state. I think so. Um, are we going to get like a bombshell that like coach K is going to have a show cause penalty for 10 years? (laughs) I don't know. It's, I mean, it's impossible to know at this point, but I would say you'll probably hear some of the same, same old suspects, uh, involved with this, maybe a couple new ones. I don't know. How could the NCAA, if like, if the NCAA is going to start punishing schools for basketball recruiting violations, how is LSU not one of those schools? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, it basically has to be. Yeah. <clears throat> like, is are they just gonna? Are they just letting us know of the penalties for the schools that have maybe already been named? Because uh, I think they kind of talked about like you will see action taken right this time around or whatever. I don't know. It's it's gonna be. They were a little bit vague, obviously, in this initial report, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, this CBS Sports article is like the main source on all of this. And that article specifically mentions uh, 
Kansas, Arizona, Louisville as um, schools that have been under NCAA investigation. Um, there were 20 schools mentioned in the course of this FBI investigation, um, not some to a lesser degree than others, but um, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be too far outside of what we already know from the other investigations that have happened. No, I don't think so either. But it will still be very, uh, very nice to hear if uh, Kansas is going to finally face some penalties. Yeah, I mean, there's those three. I mean, for me, Kansas, Arizona, and LSU, they just have to, they have to be punished. I agree. I mean, now we literally have proof at this point. Yeah, that they are, they have been cheating. Yeah, if uh, if Missouri is one of these schools, though, I mean. Well, you know what I thought was interesting was it kind of it talked about level one infractions and it kind of defined it a little bit, at least in the, I think, Yahoo report that I read from maybe Dennis Dodd, I think. Um, it, he kind of he kind of defined what a level one infraction is, and he, he said that's the, the highest level of severity. And then he said things that can come from a level one infraction would be postseason bans, uh, loss of scholarships, everything that Missouri is currently going to be hit with <laughs> if the appeal is uh, yeah. is upheld. Um, for a, a rogue tutor, so yeah. um, it would—it's just insane to imagine that some of these schools that are have been blatantly cheating for many years and offering money to recruits underground would not be uh, would not face some of those same penalties or worse penalties. Yeah, it that, it has to be. But we will find out probably uh, before the end of the summer. I would say what some of those penalties will be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely going to want to get all of that out of the way before basketball season starts. So, yeah. Um, are we ready to switch gears into football or is there anything, are we ready to switch gears into football or is there anything else basketball? Um, um <clears throat> I saw a video today of Kobe Brown and Mark Smith going at a little three point competition. Um, I think they both made like three or four consecutive threes. And then uh, right after Kobe Brown shot, like his last shot, at, that video ended. So I'm assuming he missed the shot. Mm. But it, it was uh, it was good to see Kobe Brown, um, you know, hanging out with the with the guys. And uh, sounds like he's been playing pretty well so far. It sounds like he's been making a good impression with the with the coaches and everything. So um, in the middle of the summer, any any little basketball or football footage you can see is is like a, an oasis in a desert. Yeah, especially basketball for me personally. I mean, seeing something like that or just like, I mean, sometimes I'll just seek out like Mizzou highlight tape from the previous season just to remind myself that college basketball exists or that Missouri college basketball exists. Um, but yeah, obviously Mark Smith is the better shooter and will continue to be. You can tell that just by looking at both of them shooting. Uh, Kobe Brown definitely has kind of a funky uh, shooting form. But uh, like I said before we started recording, if if the ball goes in, I don't really care. <laughs> um, that's what I always said about Kevin Perrier. I mean, I don't really care how the shot looks as long as it goes in. Unfortunately, they didn't go in for him quite as often as everybody hoped. <laughs> Not so, his last year, definitely. No. Well, I think I can uh, agree with you there, for sure. All right. So, uh, switching gears a little bit to football, we had some more commitments. Um, let's go. 
let's go all the way back to June 2nd, I believe it was, with the addition of a three-star running back. We believe it's Dominique Johnson. It might be Dominic Johnson. Yeah, uh, one of those. Um, but this guy is um, a running back. He's kind of uh, maybe the Larry Roundtree style where he's just like... Oh, that's a uh, big expectation. He's uh, Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be Larry Roundtree, but... Uh, he he kind of fits the the similar mold where he's just going to absolutely run you over. Um, maybe not like super high end speed, uh, but I mean he's pretty shifty for his size. Like he's he's a, he's just an absolute truck of a human. So um, I'm excited about about him for sure. And and with uh, Mizzou's track record of running backs lately, uh, Cornell Ford has just been absolutely killing it with their like just discovering running back talent. Going all the way back, all the way back to, uh, I mean, well, I mean, Demaria Crockett and um, Larry Roundtree both were um, pretty recent guys, but um, Josh Jacobs was a guy that Mizzou was in on early. Well, it wasn't exactly early, but it was before all the big big guys uh, came in and specifically he, Alabama. He went to Alabama, and now he was like a top ten pick in the NFL draft this past year. So. Um, and I love the running backs that we've got kind of in reserve roles right now with Tyler Beatty and uh, Simi Bakari. Definitely. Um, th- these guys, this staff just knows how to identify running back talent. So anytime we get a running back rec- recruit or a commit, I'm usually excited about it because I just feel like we've got a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like when this staff identifies a running back that they like, then the fans are going to like him too. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically for Johnson, he's from Texas. Um, like I said, he was a three-star guy. Uh, they've got him listed at six foot, two hundred twenty-four pounds. And That's huge. That's like a linebacker. Yeah, I think uh, he, he he is big. Looking at his tape, it looks like maybe I'd have to do a little bit more research to see like what kind of school he went to. But there's a lot of video of him just running over smaller children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he makes everybody look like children for yeah. sure in his tape. So. Hopefully that uh, translates to the next level. Maybe he uh, can uh, put, you know, get a little more speed, and he would be really, really tough to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on my list, let me grab it here. Was Ray Curry? Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Uh, he's a th- another three-star guy, but had a lot of really solid offers from similar type programs to Missouri. Humongous guy. Um, I-, I really love the o-line recruits that that the staff seems to be going after if you remember back to the gary pinkle days um i don't know if many people you know followed recruiting that closely you know back then but gary pinkle definitely went for the the slimmer uh guys and then maybe you know kind of worked him into the rotation after a couple years of being in the the weightlifting programs and stuff like justin Britt is obviously a great example of a guy who came in super skinny out of high school from lebanon and then you know he leaves a NFL player and he's still having a great NFL career um and Barry Odom is just the complete opposite with O-line guys I mean he's just bringing in guys that are already 300 pounds and they look like they're ready to go yeah so um and he's seen a lot of success with some of the guys he's brought in Uh, obviously Trevor Sims is uh a guy that I can think of that's been really successful and, and came in at just a massive size and um so definitely different styles of recruiting but both have worked out um and I think Missouri is set to have a really good offensive line this year as well so I'm excited about uh, about some of the guys they've got coming in in this class. 
Yeah, so he is from Memphis, and they've got him listed at 6'5", 300 pounds, so already massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, some of the other uh, offers looks like Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss. So, yeah, I mean, exactly the caliber of school that you want associated with a guy that you're picking up. Yeah, and Missouri's landed some some talented guys out of uh, Memphis in the last few years or the Tennessee area. Obviously, Jonathan Johnson's a guy that comes to mind. So that is uh, that is a hotbed of of talent, and so happy to land anybody out of Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one, and probably definitely the biggest news uh, since we last spoke is four-star linebacker from St. Louis named Antonio Doyle. Yep. Uh, this is this is a massive one, and uh, this is easily the biggest recruit that Barry Odom has got in his time here maybe one of the biggest recruits recruits we've gotten since like Terry Beckner or DGB. I mean, he's, he's really up there with, with how talented he is. And, um, he truly had committable offers from everyone that you could, that you think of when you think of the big, the big boys in college football. Um, and I really, I really think that he must've just had a fantastic visit because the rumors were definitely that he was down to Oklahoma and somebody else, maybe, I don't know, one of the other big schools, and uh, when he took to, uh, a visit to Missouri, they were not his top school at the time, but something flipped for him, and um, I couldn't be happier about it. Um, he's a massive kid. I mean, he's like 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, he can absolutely fly. He's super shifty. I really don't think there's a whole lot of weakness to his game, at least at this point. Um, he's super rangy. Like, his body, like, he has so much, he's just very long. So I think he's, you know, going to even keep developing into his body and he really I think has the chance to be uh one of the best defenders Mizzou's seen come through in a while if he lives up to his his hype and expectations so and he's uh, in-state recruit he's from St. Louis yeah, so I was that mentioned that That's that really like is the, the cherry, cherry on top, top. <laughs> that, that was weird <laughs> yeah uh, I also have here like you're saying offers from Alabama LSU Michigan Texas Oregon Florida State so yeah literally the top programs in the country so it's just always nice to get a commit from somebody like that hopefully it holds up yeah till national signing day but he says he's uh, i mean obviously recruits say everything but he uh said in an interview with what some percent committed with somebody i don't know i don't know <laughs> but he said he was shutting down his recruitment not taking any more visits oh, so that's, that's certainly that's definitely better than we've heard before that's from a, that's a good thing um yeah, but, you, you love it when somebody's 110% committed, but yet also goes on a couple visits. Yeah, thanks, like, James Foster. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to call him out by name, but... Uh, I, I, have okay. no, I have no problem calling him out. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited about Antonio Doyle, and it's just such a great thing to see, just the continuing uh, t- to build that the relationship with the in-state recruits. I mean, we talked about it last episode, too. I mean most of Missouri's current recruits are St. Louis kids. And that's just the total opposite from um, what has been in the past. And it's such, it's so nice to have such a great program like Lutheran North um, in state and have seemingly a great relationship with them. And Carl Reed, the coach over there seems like such a, uh, just a great guy role model for those, for those kids out there. So um, that seems to be something that's just going really, really well right now and probably will continue to get better, especially if these guys find success at Mizzou. Yeah, when you see what uh, Barry Odom's staff has been able to do with like three stars slash unranked players, and then you start sprinkling in. I mean, th- we, this is what we've always talked about being 
the recipe for success from Missouri for Barry Odom at Missouri is finding under recruited guys, develop, developing them and then sprinkling in these premier players from in-state or yeah. some of your pipeline states. I mean, this so far it's all going according to plan. Yeah. It's um, kind of the blueprint for basketball too. I mean, just yeah. land the in-state guys, you know, and that's, that's a really, really good foundation, good place to start for both of these programs. And Barry Odom is absolutely nailing it right now. Yeah. Especially when you consider the, we always talk about the Tiger 10 from a few years ago and how disappointing that what a was. disaster that was. And it was, they were kind of set up to fail on that. Yeah. Like, it seemed like publicizing, you know, we're going after all these guys so hard. They're all from Missouri. We want to, you know, build this class. I mean, tell the recruits that. But getting that into the media and just the fan expectations that came along with it. And then, yeah, for not, players that may not even end up being all that great obviously ronnie perkins i think is gonna have a great career yeah. but um some of those guys were so overrated and had their like egos inflated so much by that uh tiger 10 thing and i mean you, i mean you can't blame the staff i mean they they tried so hard to get those guys and were really unsuccessful in doing yeah. it and that's just what makes you know coaching staffs get better over time is they you know i'm, I'm glad to see a barry odom learn from that mistake because yes. we haven't seen anything like that since right. the tiger 10 i mean yeah. they haven't blown up you know the in-state stuff at all since then and it's worked really really well even even the next year after that right we landed a bunch of in-state guys so i just really i just really like the class that mizzou's putting together (laughs) so far um i think it's obviously really hard to evaluate guys when they're still in high school especially this early because they still have a whole nother year of high school to go but i'm really really a huge fan of, of the class that they're putting together so far um, not only because a lot of them are in state, but just because I really think that they have the potential to be really good. Um, and it may be just chance that we've had a lot of guys, you know, jump in early. seems like this time of year, we don't have an even close to this many guys committed. It may mean nothing, but it may also be a good sign that Mizzou's hitting on the guys that are kind of their a list. Um, a lot of times you'll see Mizzou miss on all their, you know, first priority guys and have to, you know, settle for plan B, plan C um, in November or whatever the case. And not saying that players commit later in the game or worse, but sometimes that is the case. So it's good to see that Mizzou is, is kind of racking up commits um, early and guys that definitely seem to be on their, their A list. And in addition to how well recruiting seems to be going, uh, we, we saw the graphic about um, just that Mizzou hasn't had any transfers. I think we had one transfer and Terry Petrie, maybe, um, despite, you know, post a potential postseason ban and like scholarship Literally loss. conference rivals recruiting players. Yeah. We've had, yeah. Programs trying to poach guys. The, the NCAA right saying, the Hey seniors, go wherever you want. No penalty. Yeah. It's insane. Like how almost it's just been encouraged for, you know, those guys maybe to check out another opportunity at other places and like no one has left even less way less than a typical year so you know purely speculation from the outside looking in but it definitely seems like everybody's happy where they're at um you're never going to be able to please everybody obviously there's players that won't get to play much and and want to look for other opportunities and you can't blame them but um whenever when nobody's leaving it certainly seems like the locker room's in a really good spot yeah my only concern about that whole thing and it's it's probably just the Mizzou fan in me that's looking for the downside and everything, but I just have a feeling that 
there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding the football team next this coming season. Um, I think especially when we get closer and we see some guys popping up on preseason, you know, awards lists and stuff like that. And just the unknown of Kelly Bryant at quarterback is going to cause people to think that automatically it's going to be like an improvement over Drew Locke. And I'm, I don't know, just all this like good news that's been happening. I am somebody who really thinks that the postseason ban is going to get overturned. So when that happens, I think everybody's going to lose their minds and talk about, you know, an SEC championship game appearance and stuff like that. And I just think, and we're a, a very uh, positive outlook podcast. And I'm just really worried that I'm going to have to be the opposite of that and start some point. Like, pumping the brakes on everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's good to have realistic expectations because there's a pretty good chance that it doesn't get overturned and we just have to enter the season knowing we won't be able to play in the postseason no matter how good we are. And I do agree with you that there's going to be a lot of hype. I, I've already seen, you know, some of those preseason top 25 lists. Missouri's there on a lot of them. We're going to have how good the uh, Mizzou uh, athletic department, like uh, social media teams are. Yes. Like they're, they're going to, you know, you're going to see that the, all the hype stuff all over the place. Um, but I, I think there is reason to assume that this Missouri team could be really successful. Uh, there's also reason that they could be way overhyped and and there's you know and Kelly Bryant may not be as good as we think he could be and you're one of a totally new program so but it does always seem like Mizzou kind of has to um I don't know push back the uh it seems like they kind of get you know rated low and they have to maybe use that as motivation and maybe that's why they can find success is because they use things like that for motivation but they're gonna have the hype this year and they're gonna have to learn how to play uh as as the uh the favorites favorite in a yeah. lot of games they're yeah. going to be favored in a lot of games and i think it it's kind of interesting being a mizzou fan you obviously see highs and lows and a lot of just in the middle mm-hmm. um but when you go back to the not too distant past and you look at the 2013 and 2014 seasons and you see if you're watching highlights of those seasons you see a little number next to missouri's name at the bottom of the screen and in 2014 i want to say they were ranked in the top 10 for multiple weeks at one point and it's not i like i think now i'm kind of like changing my tune a little bit but it's not like <laughs> out of the question for missouri to be that caliber of team mm-hmm. and get those votes you know if they rack up you know five wins in their first six games and the schedule is kind of looking like that's definitely possible oh yeah um, you could see a pretty decent number next to the word Missouri at the bottom of the screen, but I don't know. I just think there's definitely a pretty big potential. Like if, if you, if it was a completely different situation and Kelly Bryant was, you know, going to be the starter as a junior and then have another season, I would be thinking Kelly Bryant's senior year, this is gonna, mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. You know, 10 win season, you know, we're going to, rival the success of like 2013 and 2014 but it just seems like so much to ask of a guy to come in with so little experience in the system and then a lot to ask of the coaching staff to be able to make a system that 
a guy can thrive in for just one season when it's completely completely different player than what you've had yeah the last four years it's completely reasonable to to have doubts about that specific issue and as good as the offense has been in the last couple of years I mean we still don't always win because our defense has not been very good so our defense has to improve this year for really of any it to, uh, of any of that to matter so there you know we've got a long way to go on both sides of the ball um, but it definitely seems like a great attitude around the program right now Barry Odom seems as relaxed and happy as I've ever seen him so um, I know I I'm just I'm gonna be super excited about this year even probably if we uh, have a postseason band still going into the year I'm yeah it'll still, still be excited, fun it'll but, still be fun to watch them play yeah yeah and that, as long as uh, we've definitely had times where watching Mizzou football was not fun whatsoever so yeah as long as it's fun to watch them play I'll be happy yeah um on that note I think I don't know if I really have anything else are you gonna be watching the NBA tonight uh I probably will yeah I'll probably keep an eye on it let's see is it th- is it tied three? Is it no. game seven uh, it's or game, game six? six. Three, okay. two Raptors. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, Kawhi has been on uh, something, something else this series. Yeah. I watched some of the end of game five, and Kawhi was going off. I mean, he was in the zone, but it looked like they were for sure going to win. Yeah. What I, was the what was up with the coach kind of like calling a like ice the team uh, timeout there? I can't believe he did like, that. I uh, don't know. We're, we're too hot right now. We gotta we gotta call a timeout and settle down a little bit. I have absolutely no explanation for why he did that, but if like it almost seemed like it, it really doesn't make sense, but it almost seemed like he was calling a timeout to like like soak it all in, like like we're we might win the championship right now or something. I, I it doesn't like logically that should never be the case. Because they didn't, I mean, obviously didn't have it won. There but. is no logical explanation for why he did that, no. and that I, at least I could see on the surface. So I mean, it's very possible that I heard somebody else say that it, there's just like an inst, like a second nature for coaches where if they hear the crowd get too loud, there's just like this thing in their head that says, "Oh, I need to call a timeout." Whether they're happy or or the, like the other team's fans are really loud or their own, they just like hear this noise and like, "Okay, I need to call a timeout and settle everything down." Yeah, that's possible as well. But for any uh, any criticism Steph has gotten has gotten in the last year or two or whatever it is, he put the team on his back at the end and he made some really clutch shots and uh, the Warriors are so dangerous. In a situation kind of like this where I don't necessarily have a built-in rooting interest, I never know who I'm going to be rooting for until I'm actually watching and like reacting to plays. And I'm for sure rooting for the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really explain it. Uh, maybe it's because I don't want to see another, I'm a Pacers fan, so I don't want to see another Eastern conference team have success that the Pacers can't have. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of it is just that uh, this is probably like the worst outlook to have like as a sports fan whatsoever. But for some reason, if my team is not involved, I just want the, whatever it is, the dynasty or the, I just want it to keep happening. And I'm probably terrible for that. I've rooted for Alabama in recent uh, national championship games. I've rooted for the Patriots in Super Bowls. And now I find myself rooting for the Warriors. So every time LeBron James would beat my Pacers in the playoffs, I would root for him to get back to the finals to keep that streak going. I think I just want to see the best keep winning. And that's probably terrible, but... (laughs) 
Yeah, you're probably gonna go to hell for that. But um, <laughs> I go to sports I, fan hell. I can actually kind of understand the Patriots thing, just because I think it'll be cool to to say someday that I that I got to witness Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick um, together in, in in their dynasty. So yeah, that's definitely a majority of that of why I end up rooting for these teams. Cause yeah, I don't like the Patriots at all. Right. Don't don't get me wrong, but I you know I, I think it's kind of cool to say that we that we witnessed it and. Um, I, I probably don't see eye to eye with you on this exi- on this particular uh, finals. I think I really I really want to see Kawhi and Toronto win uh, win a championship, uh, but I I think I can I, I can understand where you're coming from. The main thing that changed it all for me was when Kevin Durant got hurt. I think that maybe didn't change it all, but it took it to the next level of me wanting the Warriors to win. Because I was definitely not a fan of Durant going to the Warriors. I thought it was not a KD guy, huh? I mean. Yeah, I mean, that might be something for another day. I feel like he gets a lot of credit with the media that he doesn't deserve, while at the same time, LeBron has been nothing but like super professional and gets hammered by the media all the time. But like I said, that's a whole different thing. Um, Just like a lot of other people, I didn't like the fact that the Warriors beat the Thunder and then Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. And I don't think anybody has an argument that it's the same as LeBron going to the heat because um, he teamed up with other superstars to beat the Celtics, the team that kept beating him. Kevin Durant joined the team that beat him. So, but all at the same time, do what you want to do. I don't, I don't really care. Like chase rings all you want. Um, but I was kind of a fan of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I, they just have that. They have the ability to shoot three pointers the way in a way that nobody's ever seen before. And I, my favorite player of all time is Reggie Miller. So, um, just watching them shoot threes, it gives, I feel like it gives guys like you and me this like idea that this kind of guy, all he does is like sit back and shoot three pointers. That's something that conceivably anybody could learn how to do. You can't learn how to dunk, you know, over a seven foot center in the NBA, but I don't know, these kind of in quotes, little guys. He's mm-hmm. still Steph Curry, still six three, and has, you know, insane genetics that allow him to partially be as successful as he is. But I don't know those kind of guys that are a little bit more relatable than I think LeBron and Durant. Yeah, I can see that they're truly unique players and uh, super fun to watch. Definitely, yeah. it, whenever they're kind of firing in all cylinders, it, it there's just not much more entertaining basketball i could i could think of i at least hope we get a game seven because game sevens are super fun where, where would game seven be if there is one toronto <clears throat> okay should be should be fun and that was nba talk with kylan cameron <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i officially think that's all i have to talk about okay you got anything else i think that's it for me All right, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Please leave us a review, a like, a follow, um, a subscription on whatever service you use. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you in two weeks.